Chapter Four of the Boy Scouts in the Rockies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Rockies by Herbert Carter. Chapter Four: The Torch Talk. Every one of the Boy Scouts was on his feet by this time. Even Fat Bumpus managed to struggle erect with the rest and strange to say the supper that was just about to be dished out was for the time being utterly swallowed up in this new and thrilling excitement they trooped after thad and giraffe the latter still hanging on to his blazing torch toby was left alone by the fire but after making sure that the supper was in no danger of burning the cool level-headed guide followed his charges over to the spot where giraffe happened to be standing when he noticed the odd signals from up on the face of the cliff where is it right now giraffe demanded davy jones nothing doing added stephen in disgust now what do you think of that the fellow had his own eyes blinded by whirling of his own blaze around so much that he just thought he glimpsed another light up there perhaps thad hit the nail on the head when he mentioned a star like it as not now giraffe had just saw peeping over the top of the mountain at him and though it winks well this takes the cake and all that fine supper getting cold while we're out gasping here it's a burning shame that's what it is to me for the fire again wait said thad and in that tone of authority that always found ready respect from the scouts under him it was the scoutmaster and not their chum who spoke whenever thad used that very stern voice give me your word for it thad i saw it again and again giraffe went on as if he felt that his veracity as a scout was hanging in the balance. Point out the exact spot, said Thad promptly. I could do it all right, and don't you forget it, Stephen, declared the tall scout, eagerly and accordingly raising his torch. He held it stationary at an angle of nearly forty-five degrees. Right there she was, Thad, and if you look close now, perhaps you can see a sort of glow-like, he went on, again showing excitement. I do believe I do replied thad here give me that torch of yours giraffe what are you going to do thad asked the other even while he complied with the request which was in the shape of a command try and see if i can get a raise again as thad said he started to wave the torch in several ways now he lifted it up and he lowered it rapidly then it went out at an angle and followed with several circles or possibly a diagonal dash and giraffe saw that he was spelling out the word hello utterly they waited to see the result as the last letter was formed and the wind up sign made to indicate the message had been completed to the astonishment of most of the boys there there was a sudden response away up on the face of what seemed to be a high cliff a light appeared and began to cut strange figures and lines in the air as an arm swung it to and fro and thad as he started to read the letters realized that whoever might be trying to get in communication with those in the valley had certainly knew his morse code all right indeed a regular telegrapher and a wigwell artist belonging to the signal corps of the united states army could hardly have shown more proficiency in the business regularly then without a hitch the fiery figure outlined against the dark background spelled out the significant word help thad read each letter aloud for the benefit of those among the scouts who not being so well long in the work, might have had some difficulty in following those wizard flashes to and fro, up and down, and around. Just like I said, ain't it, Thad? 
breathed Giraffe, as he felt that his reputation assailed by Stephen had been fully vindicated. But the scoutmaster did not bother answering his questions, since he had his mind wholly bent on solving the mystery of the mountains. Again he started making erratic movements with the torch he gripped in his right hand, and then the staring giraffe read what the patrol leader was saying to the unknown party perched aloft. What is the matter? Then the light appeared again, and it seemed as though the other might purposely be keeping it concealed between messages, and back came the startling answer, which Thad spelled out aloud as it was sent. In trouble, come up, help me. Great Governor, what do you suppose all it means? To him, exclaimed Giraffe, seldom being able to keep a still tongue in his head, especially when very excited, and just then he was quivering all over with nervous energy to solve the mystery. Somebody bring me another stick from the fire, said Thad. This one is getting burnt out, Giraffe. You go, because you know what kind of I want better than any others. Giraffe might have felt little rebellion because he hated the worst kind to lose a single word of that mighty interesting exchange of signals. But Thad, as usual, had been wise enough to coat the order with a little subtle flarity that served as oil to lubricate matters. Since none of the other scouts could be trusted to select the right kind of torch necessary for signaling purposes, why, of course, the giraffe must sacrifice all other personal desires for the common good. And so he walked toward the fire, though most of the time that long neck of his kept rubbering backwards so as to give him something of a chance to see what came next on the program. Who are you? Thad waved upward, each letter being clear and distinct, for the scout leader knew the folly of running them into one another and confusing the receiving end of the battery. Alec Roston. When Thad had spelled out the words, various exclamations arose from the boys. Roston. Why, that was the name of the man who found the silver mine up in this country. Wasn't it, Toby? cried Davy Jones, voicing the thought that had flashed into the minds of every boy just then. Sure was, replied the guide. Can this be him, then? He has been a prisoner all these years, gasped Smithy at which there was a scornful laugh from the others. His name was an Alec, near as I can remember, t'was Jerry, said Toby. Perhaps such, he had a son, suggested Bob White. Just what I was going to remark, added Alan, eagerly. The intelligence that had come to them in the last reply had created a sensation among the scouts. Indeed, even Thad was so astonished that for the moment he could not find words in which to continue the interesting conversation by fire. Then his torch expired. Hurry, giraffe, and fetch me another light, he called. But there was hardly any need of saying this, because the party in question was already advancing by kangaroo-like leaps, covering ground in a manner simply miraculously. What was that last, he said, he demanded, and Stephen made haste to answer, partly because he wanted to stagger the tall scout, and then, perhaps, he realized that giraffe would really give them no peace until he was told. That his name was Alec Roston. Remember what Toby told us about the man who found the mine long years ago? Well, this might happen to be his son, we think. Keep still, Thad. Going to talk some more, grumbled Bumpus. Again, the fire signaling went on, and the new torch selected by the expert giraffe proved even better than the one that had burned out. Letter by letter did Thad send a long message, and Alan spelled it out as progressed. So there was time it was completely everyone knew just what had been flashing upward toward the unseen receiving party above. Can we get up to where you are? Now the fiery finger in the darkness began to write an answer. Every letter was plainly carried out, 
so that not in a single instance did Thad trip up as he could read it aloud. Yes, but come quick, bring rope, might fall any minute. But he's hanging on to a little narrow shelf of rock, declared Bumpus. But if he is, how in the dickens could he get the fire to signal with? That's what bothers me, muttered Giraffe. Where are you? signaled the scoutmaster promptly, thinking to get all the information possible when the chance remained. On a ledge, part way down the cliff, answered the one who had said he was Alec Ralston. How did you get there? went on Thad. Lowered here, and left to die like a dog, came the stunning answer. Did you ever hear the equal of that? cried out Bumpus. Now what sort of people could ever be guilty of such a horrible thing as that, I'd like to know. Oh, remarked the guide, there's a heap of bad men around these parks, I'll tell you. But I got a notion I can see through a board that it's got a knot hole in it. Ask him who put him there, Mr. Scoutmaster, please. Thad would have done this, even though Toby had not spoken. Indeed, he was even about to start putting the question, Who put you there? Colonel Knocker did. Will you come and get me? The old villain, grass, Bumpus. He ought to be tarred and feathered for such a wicked deed. What do you suppose he did for it? I wonder now if it's the same Alec Roston could know anything about the secret of that hidden mine, and Cracker Jack John just wants to torture him till he tells. That sounds like it, Bumpus. You're good at guessing things after all, remarked Stephen. Keep still back there, Thad, sending another message, warned Giraffe. And in his steady way, the scoutmaster went on to flash back the reassuring words. Yes, we will come to you. Hold on. It may take us some time. Start right away. Thank you, came from above. And then the light that had moved back and forward, up and down and around, in eccentric circles, vanished. And so, with that last word, the torch, if that what it was, happened to be exhausted. But at least that it served long enough to bear a startling message to the boys of the Silver Fox Patrol, camping there in the valley of the Great Rockies. Now what? exclaimed the impatient giraffe. Somehow, not one of them gave the waiting supper a single thought, just then. But this new and exciting diversion had made them utterly forget such a thing as being hungry. I want several of you to go along with me, said Thad, Toby for one because of his strong arms, in case we have to do any lifting. Also, Giraffe and Allen, perhaps you'd like to be in the party also. I certainly would, declared the main boy instantly, if you think I can be spared from the camp. Oh, said Thad, they'll get on all right without you, because every fellow we've put on his honor not to stray away from the fire while we're gone. Bumpus, please let me have that rope you carry with you. It's proven valuable several times already, and may come in all right again. Bumpus had a very queer idea, in that he persisted in carrying a thin, braided rope wrapped around his body. It was of the sash-cord species. Slender, but extra strong. Bumpus had seen the great need of a rope once or twice, and made up his mind that he would never be without one, and it had proven useful to him, too. In fact, for its possession, Bumpus might not have been there so blithe and happy at that very moment. Having unfortunately become mired in a slimy mudhole when lost in the big timber, he was slowly sinking on the account of his desperate efforts to get out, when he happened to notice a convenient limb of a tree just a couple of feet over his head, and remembering his rope, he had thrown it doubled over the same, and by making a tremendous spurt, managed to drag his feet out of the sucking mud, climbing to safety, and of course, after that, nothing could ever induce the fat scout to think of abandoning that precious rope. So he started to unwind it now, and as if might be a signal for some of the boys assisted. They seized hold of Bumpus, pulling at the rope, 
until they had him whirling around in a dizzy fashion, protesting all the while, but without any avail. Finally, the rope was wholly unwound, and Bumpus found himself sitting there on the ground, with the stars waving all sorts of queer circles over his head. He felt as rocky as though he had been indulging in a strong drink. But be awful careful of that rope, won't you, Thad? He managed to call out as the scoutmaster started to coil it up for carrying. I certainly will, Bumpus, replied the other. And thank you for the loan of it. Come on, those who are going with me, take your guns along, even if we don't find any use for them. And say, you fellows in camp, save our share of the supper for us. End of chapter 4 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan